0: Come on, I hope you're fired up to be in church. Anybody excited to be in the house of God? Wow, man, what great worship. I'm so excited to be back. Dr. Big Daddy back in the house. Come on, we needed some good preaching this weekend. So, and here we are, excited to be with you. Welcome, we love you guys. Welcome to all of our campuses. We love you, I want you to know something, even though I'm not the senior pastor anymore, I have not diminished one minute a day pounding heaven for you. For your walk, for your family, your kids, if you're single you and i be made for that, for your business that God would bless you, for your new word for the year, for your growth plan, growth plan, all that I am taking every day. Actually, I have more time now. So I'm really pounding heaven for you. See, faith Promise is a loving spiritual family, a garden where people can grow. And it's our prayer, it's our desire that you grow. So I hope you're still uh, getting ready, getting near finishing the devotion we, we put together for you this year. Hope you're still walking in your word. Hope you've got a growth plan. Listen, can we admit the church in America today is soft? Would y'all agree with that? It's soft because we quit pressing in. And so that's part of what your spiritual growth plan is for, so that you will grow bolder and stronger in your faith and your walk. So keep going. It's not a, it's, it's not a, it's not a New Year's resolution. It is a commitment. We've been praying more in 24 that this will be your greatest year yet. We're praying for record baptisms. Had a bunch already this weekend, incredible. We're praying for greater miracles. We're praying for life change, transformation. We're praying that people find freedom, not a religion, but a freedom and a deep abiding walk with God. We're we're praying for families. We've got a marriage conference, February 23rd and 24th. There's a QR uh, on the screen or you can hit that disc in, right in front of you. Listen, if you're praying for your family to get better, go to the marriage conference. Michelle and I will be there, we'll be part of it. It's gonna be incredible. You, you really don't wanna miss it. And can I tell you, I have to be made 40 years. If you'll work, it gets better. It gets better and better and better. Love more. Michelle, love Michelle today more than I ever have. And we're just having an incredible time together. now. If you will take this series seriously, it can transform your life. And it just dawned on me the last couple of days I've been praying over this message that most of us come to church, we sing, we experience, we hear a sermon and say, oh yeah, that's good. That's, a little, that's, that's, that's pretty good. But we don't walk in planning to meet with God and then deciding how we're gonna change when we leave. Is that fair? And so, really, if you'll get this series where you, where we're taking out the lies of the enemy and we're placing with the truth of the word of God, you can walk in greater joy, greater peace, and greater purpose than you ever thought possible. But you cannot walk in joy and freedom and purpose, listen, come on if you listen, say I am, and defend the lies in your heart about you or God. It is the, it's the truth that sets us free. I've been impacted by Pastor Zach and the, and the series so far, even though I wrote the devotion, Pastor Zach and I, I still read it every day because I want to be right where you are. I'm in the same Bible reading plan. I'm, I'm just there. Helps me connect you at a, at a deeper level. But you know what's crazy? I've got to think about this series is that all of us are put on the witness stand and, and. There is an accusation there, lies that are leveled about us. Y'all get that? And then this is insane. We become the prosecutor. Prosecuting the lies against us. Instead of saying this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, we just go out and agree with Lucifer. We defend the lies. I can never walk in freedom. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And we, we defend all that like it's our own idea. You will never walk in freedom as long as you embrace the lies the enemy believes. Does this make sense? And so when you come to the house of God, whatever, whether you're online or in person, wherever you're at, come on. Expect God to move. So we're gonna take a little jaunt together. I'm going to build, this is, sermon's going to be a little different. I'm going to, to, I'm going to build as we go. So I need you to stay connected. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Amen. All right, here's a question. How many would say that you love God? Now, now I'm serious because it's going to matter. So if you don't, don't say yes because you're not going to enjoy this by the end of the message. So I'm serious. How many of you say, I love God? Come on, if you're, come on are you there? All right. So since we know the number one command in all the Bible is to love God, that's why it's our number one value. We love God. We love people. We discover our purpose. We win our world. So can we agree that God is God, and since God is God and we love him, that God gets to define what loving him looks like? Y'all agree with that? And so he did it. He told us what loving him looked like. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my what? You keep my commandments. Some of them or all of them. The ones you like or are the ones you don't like. The ones you feel good about or the ones you don't feel good about. Are you sure? Because see, the Bible says tithe, and 80% of us don't. I don't get that. We love God, yes. I'm not giving. I said, I don't understand that. He said, does he get to define what loving him looks like? See, y'all way more down now. Did y'all hear that? (laughs) By the end of this message, you don't hear nothing. You love God. (laughs) Come on, this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So when it comes to loving God, love is a verb, it's an action word, it's an action. So love is is not as much about how we feel as what we do. Is that fair? Because we're building. So loving God requires action on our part. Do y'all agree with that? Romans 2, 3 says, for it is not the hearers of the law that are just before God, but the doers of the law who are justified. So here's the deal. This Bible is an action book. Would y'all agree? If you love me, you're gonna obey me. You're gonna obey my kindness, right? And yet we made it an information book. I don't know when it happened, it happens so slowly, so subtly, so satanically that we've said, I don't have to do it as long as I know it. That's why we come to church fully expecting we won't change anything. So hearts have become calloused. I don't have to obey it cause I know it. Does that make sense? And it is killing the kingdom of God in America. There is a reason that darkness is winning the battle in America, because we don't shine the light anymore because we know about the light, but we don't shine it. Is that fair? Is that fair? All right, so Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, called the great co-mission, in Matthew 28, Jesus says in verse 19, go therefore, and make." Are, are literally in the Greek, as you are going, to work, to play, to school, wherever. As you're going, see, you're on mission. This transforms your life. As you're going, make disciples of all the nations, or the Greek word ethnos, we get a word ethnicity, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe some. No, no, we don't mean all. Teaching to observe part of. See, can I be honest with you? We are educated so beyond the level of our obedience, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. The churches in America are full of fat people, spirit, knowledge-wise, just consume, consume, consume no exercise, spiritually lazy, no growth plan, no holy sweat, my name's Chris, I'm your friend. <laughs> Are you with me? See, he, he said that we're to teach him to observe all that I've commanded you and I'm with you, always to the evening and the end of the age. See, he lays out his commission. Can I need to help you understand something? This great commission is not our Pastor Zach's job. It is your job. It is his job as a Christ follower to win his world. It is his job as our senior pastor to train us to win our world. In in Acts 1.8, it says this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Now, we're all his witnesses. Some of us are just mute. We, st- we, we live life every day as we're going and we're supposed to be making di- disciples, we don't. So we walk through life spiritually mute even though we know we refuse to testify. Are y'all okay? It's gonna get worse. I'm preaching a month, so I'm unloading everything here. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the world. Let me tell you what that means. It means as you share the gospel, it starts at home. Jerusalem was home base. You started at home with your family, the people you love most. Don't you wanna make sure they're going to heaven? Come on. You, you wanna, and then it, then it starts moving north, south, east, and west, concentric circles getting larger. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, where we live, work, study, shop, and play. As we're going, as we're playing golf, as we're shopping, as we're working, as we're traveling, as we're on social media, get off the political train. This is going to be the craziest year in the life of America. Get off the political train and get on the gospel train. Because if we have revival in America, it won't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office. That is not where the change is. I'm committed if most church members in America this morning had a choice, they would care more about who's elected this November than who is being born again and who's being left out. I was committed. See, when when you realize That I'm a witness, that I'm a representative, I'm an ambassador. You wake up every day knowing I'm on mission with God and God's gonna move today. God's gonna see miracles today. God's gonna open up a door today. Life becomes an exciting adventure. When people tell me the Christian life is boring, I said, Of course it is. You've never lived it. That's insane. Everyday opportunities. Every day. When you're looking and loving God, when you're walking on mission, It's awesome. I go to bed at night. Can't wait to get up the next day. okay, Lord, I'm gonna work out at this time and then I'm gonna head to the barn. I'm gonna be by the the barn at seven o'clock and we're gonna meet again tomorrow. I can't wait to see you in the morning. Are y'all with me? And I live every day this exciting, extraordinary adventure. Why? Because I'm looking for God all over the place. Now, Have I lost some of you yet? Come on, there's 12 of you with me. Come on. See, you were saved to share the good news of how you got saved. And if not, he might as well Enoch you when you get saved. You know who Enoch is? Fifth chapter of Genesis. By the way, we're past that. We've hit Exodus in our Bible reading plan. Chapter 5, we see the lineology of Adam, it, and we see Enoch. Enoch was Methuselah's, the oldest man that ever lived, dad. Every 300 years, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Enoch had a growth plan. Enoch had a God spot. Enoch had a God time. And Enoch's walking with God, and he is closer and closer and closer until God says, Enoch, come on up here, dude. It's way better. Now, that is an incredible end to an awesome quiet time. Can you imagine you're in your prayer closet, you're reading the word, you're praying, you're seeking, and God says, hey, Chris, come on, today's the day. Just come with me. Woo! Come on, somebody. Man, that's what happened to Enoch. And that's what God would do to you if he didn't want to use you in advancing his kingdom. So the apostle Paul, in trying to correct some of the wrong lifestyles, writes a bunch of letters to churches. He writes two that we know of to the Corinthian church, and he's trying to correct the lifestyle because the Corinthians are not worried about people in Corinth that were not being saved. So he writes them. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I might do what? Win more. To the Jews I became a Jew so that I might what? Win Jews. Those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win. Do you see a pattern? Win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, so that by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. I love this. It is the lifestyle of every believer to connect with every single person we can connect with, Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, whatever, so that we might win more. Do you agree with that? It's the lifestyle of a Christ follower. That's what God wants us to do. Let me read it to you. I usually don't do this, but I love this passage out of the message. Now, in my quiet time, in my devotion, I'll read a different translation about every year, every other year I'll get a new Bible and and, and I'll I'll start you know filling in a new Bible. But but I love the message translation. So when, but when I preach, I almost I, I always use the American Center. Let me read this to you. It's come be on the screen. In the message, the same passage. Listen to this. Even though I am free from the demands and expectations of everyone, I'm free. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I don't, listen, I don't take on their way of life. I, keep, I kept my bearings in Christ, but here it is. That's what I love. But I entered their world. Do y'all catch that? These are lost people. I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. That's what we call connecting. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved Life. I did all this because of the message, the gospel. I didn't wanna just talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. I love that. I entered into their world. Jesus didn't say, come and see. He said for us to go and tell. Not the pastors, all of us. You've got to, to enter into their world and experience things from their viewpoint, asking questions valuing them. Can we agree that it is not the practice of the American church or most of us to enter into the world with lost people? That's why Pastor Zach has led us to a vision of winning the world, starting with 1% of the state of Tennessee. Why? But why? That's where we begin, that's Jerusalem. See, it's all of our jobs. Now, the majority of people in Tennessee that are far from God, they're not coming to church. They're not even gonna come if they're invited. But what's encouraging to me is that people that are far from God have not given up on God. They gave up on us. Because we were mean, prejudiced, judgmental, critical. We didn't enter into their, their world. We didn't experience things from their viewpoint. We just walked in beating people with a Bible and they said, done so." They're still hungry for something. There's still an empty hole in their heart. There's not come to us. Recent survey said 78% of Americans surveyed said a spiritual aspect to their life was very important to them. Now, I love that. People are not turned off by God, they're turned off by us. And so we can, we can work with that. So let me, this series, we've been, we've been rooting out lies and replacing them with the truth. Let me just give you a few lies that many of us have given why we don't enter into their world, experience things from their viewpoint, and share with them how they could be born again. Are you ready? Because if we walked around with a microphone and I said, tell me the last time you shared the gospel with a lost person, Would you even have a story to share? Number one, are you with me? If you're listening, say, I'm listening. It's not my job. It's not my job. Well, the Bible says it is. And if you love God, which we said we did, and he gets to tell us what loving God looks like, it's obeying his commandment. Number one commandment is love God. Number two is love people. Then the great commission, go win your world. It is your job. So you are going to leave this place completely transformed. Because the Bible says it's a mirror, and I just held the mirror of the word up. And when you look at your reflection compared to what God said you'd be, and that's not what you look like, we don't change the Bible, we change ourselves. You okay? All right, let me get another one. I'm just not able. You don't understand. I'm a quiet person. I'm reserved. I'm not able. Well, Jesus said, if you'd wait in your prayer closet until you were filled with the Spirit, you'd be able to go do it. See, what we believe is we learn enough. I call it the demonic deeper life. That if we learn a Bible, we'll eventually go out and do something. And people spend their entire life sitting their butt on a church pew, a church chair, hearing sermons and never do anything. We okay? You are able. Number three, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. Well, of course none of us know enough. Well, what if they ask you a question? You tell them what I tell them. I don't have a clue. (laughs) You think that bothers me? I have a doctorate degree. I have two seminary, 2 postgraduate, college graduate degrees. I don't have a clue. Great question. Let me see if I can find that out. That's why the Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. You don't win souls because you're wise. You become wise when you win souls because you start dealing with questions. Did Adam have a belly button? (laughs) Could God make a rock so big he can't lift it? I don't know. Are you going to hell? (laughs) We don't start there. (laughs) I don't know enough. You would if you read your Bible. And you would if you got out there. So we let fear keep us from growing in our faith. Somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else should do this. Are you going to let the eternal soul of your family and friends where you live, work, study, shop, play, are you really going to leave that to somebody else when God put them in your life for you to win? Are you really expecting somebody else is gonna do what God calls you to do? Are you so committed that you're willing to bet their eternity on that? I'm not. I'm not willing to bet it. Are y'all with me? I mean, not, I'm, not willing, I'm, I'm gonna get out there and get busy. Another one, I love this is so good. It's so good. i ruin my reputation if I hang out with lost people. Somebody needed to tell Jesus that. Oh yeah, the religious people didn't like it. And the religious people in your life, and our lives, in America in the 21st century, they won't like you hanging out with lost people either. What did Paul say? I didn't take on their way of life. Now, if you're a brand new believer, like when I first got saved, drug addict, dope dealer, sex fiend, when I first got saved, I left my family and friends. Six months later, there was nothing they had that was a temptation. I went back and shared the gospel with all of them. Are you with me? And most of my family have come to know the Lord. So listen, how about worrying about your reputation in heaven instead of what a bunch of religious people that are not going to heaven say. Because everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we cast out demons, we did this, depart from you, work of iniquity, for I never knew you. Yeah, but I knew you, doesn't matter. I'm the gatekeeper, I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm the truth and life, and I didn't know you. Are are, are y'all okay? You know, Michelle's brother, Masel, when I first got saved again and I go to church and and I go back to college to get ready for ministry, I meet Michelle, I go to Michelle's house for Sunday lunch to meet her parents. Now, I've got an afro this big. Her father is an agent with a gun. I'm a drug addict, I hate policemen. Now, I, that, that changed, I like policemen now, but back then they were the enemy and I go meet him, he's FBI, quiet, you know, meet her mom, and then I meet her brother, the most radical Christian I'd ever seen. He was still a high school student. He would go to work, he'd go to school every day. he'd go to the cafeteria, get his, get his lunch, He'd walk out, and he'd pick the loner kid by themselves, and he'd go sit down at their table. Well, how will ruin his reputation. Well, he was voted Mr. Red Bank High School. He was the most popular young man in Red Bank High School. He dated every cheerleader, <laughs> every cheerleader. His whole room was covered. I said, there's not this many cheerleaders in Chattanooga. Well, there are two more, and I'm after them was a virgin when he got married, because I did his wedding, had never tasted alcohol, never smoked a cigarette. He was my hero. He didn't worry about his reputation with a bunch of religious people. He was out there touching lives. Are you with me? Or my excuse, this is mine. I don't know anybody far from God. I'm not around anybody. My family's saved. I can only witness a Josh Whitehead so many stinking times. And, and, and so what happened is, as I began to believe that lie, I quit looking. And now I've started going to the gym, not because I like it, <laughs> because there are lost people at the gym. I was walking around the room looking, just walk, trying, to, trying to find somebody, are y'all with me? Guy came to my house yesterday, another friend of mine brought him, walked in, and said, oh my gosh, I don't think this guy's saved. And what did I do? Did I beat him up with the Bible? Never mention it. I just entered into his world and want to experience things from his viewpoint. You know, or, uh, what, it's, it's for those gifted in evangelism. It, all these are lies, take them out, take them out. Get rid, you could add more. If we could be honest, we have failed at being salt and light. Would you agree with that? In Matthew chapter five, Jesus tells us, Matthew chapter five, verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how could it be made salt again? It's no longer good for what? Useless, except to be trampled, thrown out, trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A city set up on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. See, salt protects, preserves, and makes things better. It was even used as money in the Old Testament time. But Jesus said, if a salt has lost its saltiness, what's it good for? Church, have we become good for nothing because we're a salt shaker that never gets shaken onto food? We're a beautiful salt shaker. We come and we get salty and we leave and we never get spread out. We never enter their world. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. It makes things brighter. It makes things we can see. And Jesus said, nobody lights a lamp, one of those oil lamps, and then puts a bowl. No, you put it on the stand, it'll light the whole house. And we come and we worship. Worship was great this weekend. Worship was off the chart. I mean, I just, Man, I just experienced me some God on the front row. And we worship we hear the word and we say amen and we cheer. We get our lights a little brighter then we get our bowls out and we put them on top of the light because we don't want to offend the culture. We've lost our saltiness and we've hidden our light. Are we going to allow the current culture to dictate our dedication? Because God said, if you love me, You'll keep my commandments. And one of the greatest commandments I've given you is to go win your world. Does this make sense? And so what I tell people, I, I'm not gonna beat people up with the Bible. You know what I tell people all the time now? It's my, it's my key phrase. I wish you had my faith. I do. I still so I wish you had my faith. Why? Because all you're going through, if God lived inside of you and walks through it with you, it's just so much better. Yes, they say, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just better, so sorry, so sorry. I say, wait a minute, what do you mean? How could I get God inside me? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Listen, you don't know have to be a theologian. You don't have to be gregarious. I, people see me up here and they say, man, that guy's gregarious. I mean, he's the life of the party. I'm typically gonna be sitting very quiet. I just, I just am. But you know, when God opens up a door, I pray for Bob, boldness and opportunity, a burden and opportunity and boldness to walk through that door. Does this make sense? Now you got a choice. I'm responsible to you, but I'm not responsible for you. I've given you the direct revealed will of God. You can choose not to do Jack and you can let your heart get a little harder or you can say, I'm gonna get in the game. I'm scared, great. I've never done it, perfect. I'm I'm not quite sure how to do it, perfect. So I'm gonna do it anyway. What if they say no? That's not your responsibility. Did somebody say yes for you? No, you had to say yes. They get to make a choice, as long as you shared, you've been salty and bright, you've done your job. Does that make sense? Now, our our, we're, we're praying for 900 baptisms this year. That shouldn't be jack for us because we're soul winners. I've never won a soul. Not yet, you haven't, but you're going to. And you're going to grow and you're going to soar and you are going to make a difference and you will never be the same. And people, when you get to heaven that you br- helped get there, will be standing at the gates saying, thank you, thank you, thank you that you told me about Jesus. So, now we got probably 3,000 people with us at all of our campuses in this service. Some of you have never been saved. He said, Pastor Chris, I don't have a burden for people. I get that. You don't have a burden. If you never tasted how good God is, you don't have a burden to get that to anybody else. You may be religious, you may grow up in church. My question is, does Jesus know you? Because the day I got saved, I wanted to tell everybody. I had a thousand pound weight on my chest that when I cried out to Jesus and in a hospital bed, he saw me take that off. Hey, by the way, that guilt, that shame, that sin, you're white as snow. You are pure, you are white like wool. You got a brand new shark. You're my son, I'm gonna put my spirit in you. My soul, I wanted to tell everybody. I never wanted to tell anybody. Well, did you meet him? Did you get him? Are you born again? Is your name the last book of life? I'm gonna lead us in a simple prayer. And if you've never given your heart to the Lord, then we're just gonna pray this confessional prayer and open up to God. We're gonna pray it with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just pray this simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I know we're separated. My bad. I want to be with you. So by faith, I receive your gift of forgiveness and salvation, adoption. Fill me with your love and help me walk with you. Now, the heads bowed, nice closed. If you prayed that simple prayer, hey, do me a favor, just slip up your hand, me and you. Just slip it up, slip it up. Say, hey, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you. Prayed that prayer with you or ushers are gonna, if they see you, they're gonna give you a card. Okay, look up here. If an usher didn't see your hand, that's okay. Take your phone and, and click that round disc in front of you and a communication card will come up and just say, I gave March Lord. If you're online, right there where it says, raise your hand, just click that and a communication will come up with online and you can fill that out and somebody will be in touch with you this week. Now, as we get ready to spend just a couple of reflective moments, some of you have thought about some people during this message that you know. There are people I pray for every day that I know if they die today, they're going to hell. And in front of you is, is a win the world card. During this time of, Reflection. The altars will be open. You can come light a candle for people that you know that are far from God. You can take the Lord's Supper. You can come pray with with somebody from our prayer team. Or maybe you sit at your seat and begin to write down some names of some people you're going to pray for and engage. Don't beat them up. Enter into their world. Experience things from their viewpoint. And then share how good God is. Is this the will of God? Do we love God? Yes. Are we gonna do it? Yes. Man, it's about to get real up in this house. Father God, in these next couple of moments, we ask you to seal decisions. God, as we respond every week, and even every day in our quiet time, we ask for soft hearts, broken hearts, for people that are not on their way to heaven And we pray, God, that not just 900 baptisms, but we soar past that this year. We see more life change in 2024 than we've ever seen. God, would you seal this message on every heart in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing again. You can come. Prayer team is coming down. They're right here. Take this card, fill out names, but let's just allow the Spirit of God to minister to us.